Hello, everyone, and thank you for coming back. This is Kayla. I am Kayla, and hopefully, you are joining me today for part two of Chester Turner. And if you're not, you're in the wrong place because this is Black True Crime. Hi, you guys. How are you? I really wish you guys could actually answer me. I'm doing great. Thanks for asking. And I'm doing so great that honestly, I just want to jump right into this story. Well, not this story because it's real. I mean, stories are real and they can be true. Yeah. So let's jump right back into this story. Uh, We have a lot to cover, you guys. I want to do this in... Everything, I want to finish everything in this episode because I really want to move on to my next case. So excited about it. So excited about it. So since you're here for part two, let me give it to you. So we left off in part one talking about his conviction for the 2002 rape of Miss Maria Martinez. So now I want to take a look at how the not political climate, but like how the investigation was going on and how people were taking that at the time and such like that. So almost the entire time Chester was out murdering women, the public pressure was really non-existent, but the Black community demanded action, which of course we have to come to the aid of our own if no one else is going to do it. I love it. The Black coalition fighting back Serial Murders, gosh, that name gets me every time. It was formed in 1986, and you guys would know if you listened to the first two episodes about LFJ. We talked about that in there. The organizers cited concerns that, quote, the low-profile media coverage and problems with the investigation are all examples of women's lives not counting and Black prostitute women counting least of all. Amen, sister. But the police in their own way kind of were paying attention because that January of 1986, the LAPD and Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department created a task force. I think this is the task force. They also added the FBI in later. And it was made up of of about 49 or 50 detectives. And it it was said that they logged more than 4,800 tips in just the two years, which... mm, I would, mm-hmm. I don't know how much I believe that because for me, I'm like, they would probably under report the amount of tips that they got just to show that they weren't as incompetent as they were, even though most tips are not usable, but 4,800 is a fuck ton. And you guys really didn't solve any like pressing murders. Like, you know what I'm saying? In the time that you guys were up. So a little embarrassing, but I digress. If the police had anything at all, they had one clear fact in hand. A black man or men were killing people, despite the urban legend that serial killers are white. You know what? I actually found that written in an article. That's not just me saying that, reading it off the script that I wrote. No, got that from an article. Love to see that, yeah, people are actually aware of the fact that everyone thinks serial killers are white and they are not, people. They are not. That's literally the whole reason why I made this podcast. So, 
Love to see it in writing other than my own. <laughs> Police were, in fact, dealing with one of the most effective sociopathic killers in L.A. history, operating at a perfect time when, in the 1980s, the murders were, you know, crazy. Like I said in the last episode, they topped maybe a 1,000 a year in just one, like, in that city. That's crazy. Police were busy. Police considered many suspects, but never the well-known local Chester Turner. Shepard, which is the cold case detective, he said with Tur- with Chester Turner, no one came forward. Which, if he is kind of well-known and stuff in the neighborhood, it's kind of been proven to be like a pattern in that area, especially with LFJ. If a lot of people know you. They just feel like, oh, you could never do anything wrong. You have your hand in literally everyone's business. <laughs> Why would you be out here killing people? So I get it. But at the same time, come on, people, be smarter. Police investigated a Southern California Rapid Transit District supervisor. <laughs> Holy crap, that's a mouthful. And they also investigated a teenage boy who claimed to be on a satanic mission. Which I didn't go into too much detail trying to like figure out what that rabbit hole was about, but I'm sure it was crazy. And I'm sure I can do a deep dive actually about that kid on a Patreon episode. Let me know if you want to hear it. (laughs) Their biggest arrest was Black and 31-year-old Lewis Crane, an unemployed construction worker from Watts with an IQ of 69. And I'm not going to lie, guys, I don't know what the IQ numbers are supposed to be. I think 69 is like the cutoff of being mentally, like, disabled? I'm not sure. Don't listen to me. Look it up yourselves. They said he committed some of the murders and was ascribed to the then-imagined Southside Slayer. So, Lewis also claimed his brother Roger assisted him in the murders, but he was only charged with sexually assaulting one of the victims, for which Lewis, which is, you know, Lewis Crane, was charged with oral copulation and forced sodomy. Lewis was further charged in the beating of a family friend. Her name was Yolanda Parker, and detective named him as a suspect in the death of a black John Doe discovered behind an apartment complex in 1986. So, as you can see, a lot of people were going fucking buck wild at this time. 1986 seems like just a horrible year for South LA, just LA in general. In 1988, Two more murders were added based on evidence, and the prosecution was thinking about going for the death penalty for this creepy guy named Lewis Crane, which I could probably do an episode about him. Let me know if you want to hear it. (laughs) My DMs are always open. Okay. The panel had begun deliberations and had voted unanimously for conviction on one murder count when juror Kathy Harada... Yeah, Harada began reading aloud from a statement by Crane's younger brother, Chate. So he had his brother, Roger, and then he has a brother named Chate. As it turned out, the statement had not been admitted into evidence, but was accidentally sent to the juror room (laughs) through a clerical error. Oh, my God. I didn't look up the, I guess, contents of this letter, but... The fact that this shit is so fucked up that it got sent to the jury room. And you know the jury is like sequestered 
if that's the word I'm assuming in such like a big case like this. So how did this get just a huge fuck up? I kind of want to research this case just to figure out what the fuck that was about. So in order to protect Crane's rights, <laughs> the judge declared a mistrial, throwing out throwing out the single count conviction. A new trial was scheduled for January 1989. I didn't go into detail with that. That's not entirely all of my business, but I will give you a spoiler. <laughs> he apparently died in prison in 1989. So he didn't even get to go through with his retrial. Sorry, guy, but also not sorry because you were a killer and fucking probably horrible. Okay, moving on. Then following a KABC TV report that at least nine women had been found shot to death between 1985 and 1989, Ricky Ross, we talked about homeboy Ricky in LFJ. You guys should just really go listen to LFJ. I should just stop like referencing it. Just go listen to it and maybe I'll shut up. Okay. Ricky Ross. He was an L.A. County Sheriff's narcotics officer, and they actually arrested his ass. <laughs> like, they had, they were so lost that they even, like, arrested their own kind, their own blue-blooded. You know what I'm saying? So, kind of gives you a little more of an idea of how wild shit was back then. But ballistics testings, ballistics testings. But ballistic tests linking Ross to the murders were proven wrong. So they came back negative. Couldn't have been him. <laughs> Not funny. Okay. Now we're going to get into Chester's like true undoing. Because we remember we know that he's already serving time in prison right now for the rape of Mar Maria. But... He's obviously done some other fucked up shit, and he needs to pay for those things. So, at California Hospital Medical Center, Maria, remember, Maria, Queen Maria, survivor, was given a sexual assault exam, or a rape kit, producing the genetic evidence that positively linked Chester Turner with the rape. Turner was arrested later that day, like we know, hiding, <laughs> hiding fully clothed in a shower at the mission, the mission that he worked at, the mission that he met his victim at. Either he is just plain dumb or he is brazen as hell. You decide. I know which one I decide. I'm thinking, honestly, he was just brazen. <laughs> He's dumb, yes, but brazen. The detective, Shepard, that we keep mentioning, the cold case guy, he was quoted to have said, quote, I am still puzzled as to why he let her live. And I honestly think he let her live because he met her at the mission that he worked at. She was way too close to home for him. And because he couldn't entirely control his animalistic tendencies by the rape. Actually, I don't even think animals rape each other except for dolphins, those creepy fuckers. But yeah, I just think he had like, something come over him he had to rape her and then he was like well shit i can't kill her because she's too close to me so i kind of that's my stand on it but either way the police were happy that maria wasn't killed because one she's not another 
murder victim, but two, she was actually the turning point that they actually needed. I'm so sick of my overuse of actually. I'm going to work on it. I promise. (laughs) At long last, in September 2003, Turner's DNA, Turner is Chester, remember? I usually call him Chester. I don't respect him enough to say Turner. Fuck you. Fuck you, Chester. Fuck you, Turner. Fuck you, Chester the Molester. Okay. Ran over. Turner's DNA was matched with sperm found in Paula Vance and Mildred Beasley. So hot damn, hot damn, they got him on it. They got him on two murders. Let's go. So praying that this was finally their big break, the detectives began testing his, I guess, his blood or his semen or whatever, his DNA, a lot wider trying to cast like a bigger net, catching more fish. When the first DNA hits began rolling in, they honestly thought the person that was going to pop up was going to have like an extensive ass rap sheet of like violent shit, um, assaults, rapes out the ass, home invasions, kidnapping, all this shit they thought they were, he was going to have on his rap sheet. But apparently, like I said in the last episode, part one, they were surprised that his rap sheet was so mediocre, I guess, and that it only had one single rape on it. It's just insanity to me. They wanted him to have what? You wanted him to have 100,000 rapes? Would that make you feel better? Like, no. I think policemen should really stop being so closed-minded. I mean, back then, I, I know for sure that they were more closed-minded, but just reading about it and seeing it. It's just crazy. It's crazy. This man abused animals. Like you jerk off. Hello. Do they matter? They matter to me. Except rats. You can do whatever you want with rats. Okay. So the Los Angeles police detective, Cliff Shepard, cold case guy, so tired of saying his name, said the former police pizza delivery man father of four, remember he was a Rolling Stone, would not have ever made it, quote, on their radar screen. What the fuck is a radar screen? Are we talking boats with that, like, dot little thing beeping? I don't know. Whatever. It was dumb, though. I don't agree with that. So the positive match that they got on his DNA in Paula Vance and Miss Beasley, plus the information that they had regarding the threats he made, the death threats against his 47-year-old sexual assault victim, plus the DNA evidence compiled against him. In the other cases, they were able to charge Chester with 11 counts of murder. Fuck yeah, you piece of shit. According to the prosecutor, Miss Grace... Queen, after years of police stumbling, lumping together unrelated murders, and dubbing it all the work of the Southside Slayer, the number of definitively linked cases was, quote, like water from a faucet, which I'm guessing, like, naturally flowing, overflowing, flowing. (laughs) Even exposing the tragic misjudgment 
involving another group of 1992 school-related murders. Does this sound familiar? Because if you listen to part one, it will. So during the time of Chester's killing spree, another three three murders took place, and I talked about them er earlier. It was Miss Tammy Christmas, Miss Deborah Williams, and Miss Mary Edwards. Their bodies were all found strangled around or within the 97th Street Elementary School in L.A. The deaths, deaths of these three women were originally blamed on a man with the mental capacity of an eight-year-old. We talked about him, David Jones. Nearly illiterate, illiterate, was only a janitor at the school, but was convicted in 2005 for the murders. So rather than using these convictions as like a basis for excluding Turner, basically saying like, oh, well, this guy could have committed all these other murders too. Cold case guy. So sick of saying your name, Shepard. Detective Shepard revisited these quote-unquote solved murders and reevaluated the physical, evi physical evidence. So when he was basically taking a look at how the trial went and everything that happened in Jones's case, he found that Jones's 1995 trial had relied upon other evidence, including coerced statements, apparently, which is crazy. Did I say he was... He was not convicted in 2005. No, he wasn't convicted in 2005. You guys heard me misspeak. He was convicted in 1995. Sorry about that. Okay, so including the coerced states, statements that Jones gave to the police, because he's not all there in the brain, and people like that are easily, unfortunately, manipulated and taken advantage of. So his case was solely based on that and was not really focused on DNA technology. It was 1995. DNA technology wasn't that advanced. So I get it, but yeah. So in 2003, at the detective's request, the LAPD crime laboratory processed the available evidence using the latest DNA applications. So in 2003, things had gotten a little more advanced in DNA science and they can you know do a little more so when the evidence was re-examined from a scientific viewpoint it was found that the murders of deborah williams and mary edwards are really the work of chester turner you guys holy cow what the heck are you surprised i'm not <laughs> so Though the police couldn't use the dna evidence to solve the murder of tammy christmas because i guess it may I think it was like not enough evidence left behind on Tammy or whatever. It is strongly believed that Turner was also responsible in her case as well. So that's three more murders that they've tied to this guy. Good on you, Shepard. Good on you. During Jones's trial, he had also been convicted of a rape unrelated to the murder. So yeah, if you thought Jones was just an illiterate, not okay guy. Um, he probably was, but he was also a rapist. Well, a convicted rapist. We don't know if that situation with that rape is also wrong place, wrong time type of thing. Not sure, but he was convicted on that and he did serve out his time for that crime. So since the new investigation revealed that the blood typing evidence did not match the blood types found at the crimes for which he spent 11 years in prison, 
he was exonerated as a murderer. Still a convicted rapist, though, but not a murderer. (laughs) Jones was released from prison in March 2004 and filed a lawsuit against the city of Los Angeles in which he won, you guys. He won $720,000. Sidebar, what the hell? He's a convicted rapist. I feel like people that have actually committed violent crimes should not be allowed to win a certain amount of money. Like rapes and stuff, like kidnappings. Come on, you guys. Maybe that'll come down the pipeline. Someone will put that law into fucking, I don't know, circulation. Whatever. I don't know how that shit works. I'm a bill. Yes, I'm only a bill. And I'm sitting here on Capitol Hill. Do you guys remember that school of rock? Yeah. Am I young or old? I don't know. Bye. (laughs) But even after being exonerated for those three murders, the DA still decided not to charge Chester with those murders. Which I was like, "Mm, what you doing there, big sir? But it is known for prosecutors to like, charge you with one group of crimes before they charge you with the other so just in case that group the first group of crimes kind of falls through they still have these other crimes to charge you with so at least they still have a chance of getting you off the street so I get it but it sounded crazy when I read it at first (laughs) so as we know Chester was already in prison for the rape of Maria Martinez so when he was charged with these murders. They didn't have to like go find him or anything. They knew where he was. Um, on November 15, 2005, he pled not guilty to the charges. Well, he char- he pled not guilty to 10 out of the 12 charges that they brought against him because they ended up charging him with the murder of regina washington's fetus remember her her baby was six and a half months old so in california that counted as like a viable life and because the medical examiner found that the baby was killed because or the baby died because of the strangulation of the mother they were able to charge him which like fuck yeah charge him with whatever you want honestly i don't care just get him off the street Okay, so when it comes to Chester's defense, his attorney is honestly expecting science to really play the forefront in this. But even though he knows that, he still spends time like reconstructing Turner's life, like his past, to try to figure out why the fuck he became a killer. And honestly, detectives even mentioned this as well. They said, reconstructing his life was the hardest part of their investigation altogether basically trying to find a motive was the hardest part of all of this which i can understand why they would say that because they want like hardcore proof like hey this is why he did this and especially since he never really admitted the things that he did i understand where they're confused but from the surface, from me doing the research that I've done, I have my idea of how things went down or why things went down the way that they did. And like I said last episode, I will be discussing it at the end of this series. I don't know if this is going to be another episode. I don't know. You guys will see. Well, you know by now, but I don't. (laughs) So we'll see how this plays out. (laughs) His defense attorney named John D. Tyre 
said he planned to continue to delve into Turner's psycho- psychological, yeah, psychological. You guys, I was a psych major, which is also really sad for me to not be able to pronounce that word right right now. Whatever. Not passing judgment on you. Don't do it to me. So, Tyre, his attorney, really cared about like his past and what he could say to basically, I think, to just use in his defense and say, hey, he was molested or he was treated bad when he was younger. Give him a break. When it's kind of like, you know, we all make our choices. So, he was also quoted to say, quote, there also are no witnesses to tie him to the murders. Their case is based on 20-year-old DNA, and he's talking about the prosecution, and, quote, there's going to be issues about whether it's been properly stored and analyzed. So, basically, they plan to go after the integrity of the DNA, which mm, I would do that, but if it's, like, my only line of defense, then I know I'm fucked. So, yeah, (laughs) the defense also planned to use the case of David Allen Jones to aid in proving the incompetence of the detectives in the prosecutor's office. So not only were they going to say, hey, you can't store DNA right without it getting contaminated or whatever, but you also can't prosecute somebody, right? Because David Jones didn't even do half or three of the murders that y'all charged him with. So smart. That one's smart. But. We'll see how that goes for them. So on October 31st, 2005, this was like the preliminary hearing. And that's to decide if it's possible Chester's ass even committed these murders. A Los Angeles Police Department sergeant named Mark Pompano, thank God it's not Shepard. I'm tired of saying his name, even though I just said it again. Pompano recounted how he found a security camera, you guys. So there was a, I don't think I told you guys this in the last part. There was security camera footage that was shot of one of the murders. Holy cannoli. Let's get into it. The grainy chilling video shows a husky muscular man. And that's a quote. I wouldn't say that. (laughs) Forcing a woman who would be identified as Miss Paula Vance onto the ground, raping and strangling her. Police also said he may have involved, may have been involved in as many as 20 murders, but there was no DNA evidence to link them to that many because, like the defense is assuming, they probably weren't really good at keeping evidence or even collecting it. On November 2nd, 2005, the judge in this case, Judge Ponders, William Ponders, ruled that there was sufficient cause to believe Chester D. Turner committed the slayings that occurred from 1987 to 1998. And he was arraigned two weeks later, like I said, on November 15th, when he put in his plea of not guilty. So during the trial, Carl Carl Matthews, yeah, Carl Matthews, of the Police Department's Scientific Investigations Division said Turner's DNA was matched to evidence from the bodies of all the victims. Pretty simple, right? Turner, you're a fucking idiot for leaving all that evidence behind. Or maybe just for doing all the crimes that you did in the first place. Carl also said, and that quote, the likelihood of the genetic profile belonging to someone other than Turner was one in 
one quintillion. So that sounds about five sets of zeros, three, five sets of three zeros. That's a lot. So basically, there's no other possibility that it's anyone but him. Fantastic. Moving forward. However, naturally, like a defense attorney is supposed to do, he's trying to come and save the day. So John Tyre said outside court that DNA does not prove murder. He said, quote, if it is his DNA, it indicates he had sex with these women sometime prior to them dying. Okay, pause the podcast, go to the Instagram. Matter of fact, you don't even have to pause it. Go on your Instagram, go to Black True Crime Podcast, and look at the pictures of this man. I'm not stopping for him if he was a stop sign, period. So so for him to say, oh, these women, I don't think so. He didn't have no money. He was working at Domino's. Not trying to crap on people that work at Domino's, but like back in the day, just as a delivery driver, he wasn't making much. Let's be honest with each other. So he wasn't paying them for sex. You know, John, that's a stretch. It's a bit of a stretch. The deputy medical examiner, Lisa Shinen, testified that all 10 women were strangled. Nine had cocaine in their systems. One was more than six months pregnant, which was Miss Regina Washington. And one was between four and five months pregnant, which was Andrea Triplett. Prosecutors have not said whether they would, well, at that point on that day, Prosecutors did not say if they would be seeking the death death penalty or not for him. In addition to 10 counts of murder, Turner is also accused of the special circumstances of multiple murder and murder committed during a rape. So, like, not really sure what those extra charges about. I feel like murder should just be, like, the worst charge. And if you rape them while you were committing the murder... I don't know. I I guess maybe I should just read a law book or something. I know there's something important about it. I'm going to leave it at that. So on the day the verdict was to be read, the area around the courthouse was super crowded, but the media and onlookers were there to see music legend Phil Spector. I have no idea who that is, and I have no idea what he was known for besides music. However, I do know, after researching this case, that he was on trial for the murder of a beautiful blonde actress. And that's what people cared about. They didn't really care about Chester's verdict or trial or his victims. Let's be real. So it's kind of crazy, despite the belief of the police that Turner could be the most prolific killer in L.A. history at that time that his trial was regulated to the inside local pages, like literally was nowhere near the first page of the LA Times. And even in other media outlets, when he was mentioned, it was mentioned that his victims, quote, weren't beautiful young starlets. So I guess that's why people didn't care. It's just fucked. It's just really fucked, you guys. Pray for your society. Pray for these society. Pray for the world. If you don't pray, wish to the universe. Do whatever you have to do, but just do something to help people not be as shitty as they are. Because we honestly need it.
In fact, the media was so insensitive on that day. Jerry Johnson, she remembers that the verdict was read on a Monday. And she's actually, Jerry Johnson is actually the mother of Andrea Triplett. She was one of the victims that was actually pregnant. She had to snap at a Times worker, LA Times to be exact. I had beef with them as well. She had to snap at one of the reporters for describing most of the slain women in this case as quote-unquote prostitutes. And she said, quote, my daughter wasn't a prostitute. And she like yelled it at them and she was just like crying and just, you know, tears streaming down her face. It's just heartbreaking for someone to basically describe your child as someone that doesn't deserve love or doesn't deserve care or justice in her slaying. It's just disgusting. So on that Monday, July 10th, 2007, Chester Turner was found guilty of all charges and he was sentenced to death for each charge. Damn. (laughs) He's never getting out. He is currently on death row in San Quentin, California and is now addressed as inmate J69942. Fuck you, Chester. I hope they're still calling you Chester the molester. So you think it ends there? <laughs> nope. Remember David Jones and how he didn't commit those four murders back in ni- or I'm sorry, those three murders back in 1992. Well, the DA's office eventually did decide to charge him with those as well, and on June 26, 2014, T- Turner was sentenced to death again for those murders. Padow. So if you thought the DA or even Shepard were going to forget about those murders and the justice for those women, they did not. And I'm super happy because honestly, I thought the same exact thing. (laughs) So there you go. That is the case of Chester Turner. He is still on death row. He has not been killed yet, unfortunately. So now on to what I think was his motive. Personally, from the mouth of Kayla and no one else, I feel that he was, he felt belittled and he felt small as a person. I think that stuff with his half siblings when he was younger really got to him. I mean, when you're being beat up by someone or teased or just attacked by or provoked by someone and you can't do anything at all. And if you do, you get in trouble and not them. It can kind of fuck with your mind, especially when you're not like a mentally strong person. And not all people are mentally strong. That's okay. Not everyone can be, but when you're already in a vulnerable state and you are exposed to more vulnerability, it can kind of fuck you up and fuck up your hard wiring. I also think the situation with Miss Felicia, uh, because he wasn't really like a family man, I don't think he ever gave off that vibe. Um, And because he just maybe just didn't want to settle down or he just hated the fact that he had to commit to something. Maybe that's why he started to get violent with her and then in turn went and killed two pregnant women. I think it was all stemmed from mistreatment from his childhood childhood and him not being able to direct that energy in a positive way or fix that energy, meaning make it go away. So that's my thoughts on it. I could be wrong, but hey, it's my fucking thoughts. What are you going to do? Change them? I don't know. Maybe you could. (laughs) So last little piece about this fucking creep. 
and it's really weird. Um, <laughs> weird fact. If you want to buy a painting of his, because I guess he had a moment of where he was trying to be a creative, and he made this piece of art. Now, I have to say I can't confirm nor deny that this was really made by him. There is, like, no way for me to really, really say. But it is on a website. It's for $150. It's on a website called truecrimeauctionhouse.com. So if you want to see it, check it out. Just type in Chester Turner. It's like a picture. It's like a, I want to say like a, a color pencil drawing with a weird abstract drawing of a head. And then maybe with the words grave me, I think shaded on the side of them. I can't really tell. Maybe it says grieve me. No, it looks like grave me. I don't know. I'm going to post it right after I get this episode out. You guys message me and tell me what you think it is or just comment on the post because I have no fucking clue. Either way, it's available (laughs) for sale. It was marked down from $150 and it's $110 now. So we got some cash lying around. Send it to this podcast because you love us more than this piece of shit, Chester, the molester. (laughs) So that is the conclusion of the Chester Turner case, says, story. (laughs) Because stories are real, you guys. Stories are real. Now, I kind of want to know what you guys thought about it. I want you guys to be honest with me. Give me a rundown of your opinion about this case. If you care. Um, (laughs) Let's be real. So I want to go ahead and go to my favorite part of this podcast. Well, one of my favorite parts. And it's the IG shout outs. Let's get into it. I don't like to waste a lot of time. Number one, at Res42. They're a cute little podcast that I checked out. And I think they're like a a couple. And they're really cute. And they listen to my podcast. So shout out to you guys. Number two, at RachDoll89. Hey, girl. Welcome. Thank you for the follow. Number three, at Prime Crime Podcast. Another podcast. That has the word crime in it, so I definitely recommend checking it out. (laughs) Number four, at Pod Lab. Okay. I'm going to have to look into you guys. Thanks for the follow. Thanks for introducing me to you. Number five, at Plead underscore the underscore belly underscore podcast. Plead the belly. I have to check that out because... I don't like my belly much, especially the button part. So, gotta see what you guys are talking about. Thanks for the follow. Welcome. Number six at p.i.magazine. I feel like I've shouted you guys out already. So, if I have, you're special. I'm just kidding. Well, I'm not kidding. You are special. I'm going to edit that out because I was kind of fucked up. <laughs> If I have shouted you guys out already, hey again. If I haven't, hey the first time. And thanks for the follow. Number, because I can't count, seven. At Help Find Patrick Alford. 
this is a really special page that I've actually have been looking on. Please go ahead and check that page out, you guys. It is about trying to find someone, obviously. And I have been no help at all, but it does mean a lot to me that pages like that are mentioning or following me. I'm sorry. So thank you guys. Anything I can do to help, please mention me, DM me, tell me. I'm here. Number eight at serial murder. Hey guys, welcome. Thanks for the follow. Number nine at Murdignity. So I practice how to say this like several times and I completely fucked it up, but we're all not perfect. So hey, it is what it is. So thank you so much for the follow. Thank you so much. Number 10. Is this number 10? I hope it is because it's too fucking late to start over and go back and check. Number 10 at Murder Friends Pod. Another podcast. We support each other. Go check them out. Say hey. Give them a follow. It would mean a lot to me. Thanks, guys. So that is all for today, this episode, you guys. Thanks for checking me out. Thank you for following us on Instagram. Thank you for writing us a review on Apple Music because it helps us so much. And thank you for telling your friends about us. I hope you had an amazing time here at Black to Crime. And I will see you guys later. You have a right to kill me. I have a right to do that, but you have no right to judge me.